1st of March, 1973, a new moon rises over rock. Immersive, quadraphonic, chiming clocks and disembodied voices. Dark side of the moon, 50 years old today. And I mentioned that back in 1988, I flattered with a group of people in Dunedin, so dedicated to Pink Floyd, they painted the door pink. Pink flat the door, scrawled across the front. And 35 years on, that door is still there, 3 Clyde Street, protected by the council. And the painter of that door, one of them, included Swanee. Swanee, Cura, nice to hear your voice 35 years on. Kia Wallace. Long time no see. <laughs> How are you, Swanee? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I do hear you on the uh, radio quite regularly. Well, you know, I was the, the I was the one non-Pink Floyd lover in the Pink Floyd flat. I was into George Benson, of course. Tell me, Swanee. Yeah, you were busy doing your jazz thing. I was doing my jazz thing. But how did Dark Side of the Moon impact your life? Well, I don't know. Like, it wasn't just that album. It was a series of albums, you know, The Wall, uh, Animals. There was a classic set of albums that came out that really went into concepts. Intelligent music that I don't think had been there before. Um, Like, like... He's talking about the the music industry and how they're all just cogs in the machine, do what you're told, get up on stage. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. There was a lot of that stuff. But, like, it was all hype. Everyone wanted to be a rock star. But they kind of talked about the other side of that, the drugs, the, the, the incessant need to be touring, making money for the record companies. And about freedom as well, too, Swanee. Stay there and turn your head a little bit so we can hear you a bit more. Uh, Lavina, I don't know if Dark Side of the Moon means anything to you. Say that again. I feel like I'm going to get into a bit of trouble here, Wallace. I'm not going to lie. I feel like I'm 24 hours late because I was listening yesterday and I'm a massive Alanis Morissette fan. I'm like, great, I'll get a crack at that. (laughs) But no, um, I am... My favourite part of Dark Side of the Moon was the album cover, which yeah. I love. But wait, Wallace, hang in there. Yeah. I've got a message from my husband yeah. who is an avid Pink Floyd fan and loved the album more than anything else. He reminded me it was their eighth album. He said there were 45 billion copies sold, best album of the 70s, fourth best ever sold album, and it was played a 100 times prior to making the album. So you do have a massive fan out there, not <laughs> just your old flatmates. Well, not well, just your old flatmates. <laughs> well, stay there, Connor, and let's come back to Swanee because you can talk about other Pink Floyd albums, but there was something defining about Dark Side of the Moon, wasn't there, for many? Well, there was. It's like that was that was kind of... Um, that was when they switched from the Sid Barrett days to the, I don't know, what would you call that, the middle stage of the Pink Floyd um, you know, um, Roger Waters, David Gilmore, Nick Mason, Rick Wright. They, uh, it was just a, a moment. It was a moment. Right. Okay. Connor. Connor English. Uh, yeah. Look, Dark Side of the Moon is an awesome album, isn't it? and it, and it is a, a, a moment in time in the musical history of the planet. Um, it did make a 
you know, it shifted the dial a bit, didn't it? A bit, a bit more than George Benson, give me the night. So, um, <laughs> I think it was in the, wasn't it in the Shots top? fired with my producer. That's just really <laughs> unfair. That's re- I think it was in the, for the, in the charts for something like about five years, and yeah. I'm not sure that give me the night was. Well, that, you know, it was okay. A bit later in the night, it was quite a good song to listen to. Yeah, Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon was Rod Donald's favourite album and was played as a, at his funeral, says one. Pink Floyd are my all-time greatest band. Dark Side of the Moon in 5.1 surround sound is great. Each album tells a story. Can I just ask, before you go, Swanee, 35 years on, that, that Sunday afternoon when we painted the, 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 our door pink in Dunedin, it's still there, protected by the council, I understand. Is Pink mm. Floyd still in your heart? I don't listen to them as often as I used to, um, but you know they they sort of they they lose the they lose there's a moment and then it passes you know. Yeah, I think I their think music's I, timeless though, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's it's timeless music. It's, and, yeah, you know maybe maybe you should listen to it a bit more and you and you might get um, a bit more mature in your musical <laughs> taste. There you go, Swanee. There's there's another shot fired at me, hey? Hey, Swanee. There's a moment and a time and, and that time passes. Lovely to hear you again, Swanee. Hey, Wallace. Can I put in a plug for a fundraiser for the East Coast in sure. Wellington? Of course. Okay, on the 25th of March at the Patoni Rugby Club, there's a, a gig happening. We've got 14 Wellington bands. The tickets are at Event Finder, and it's called the Hawks Bay East Coast Flood Relief. Fundraiser. Oh, fantastic. Kia ora, Swanee. I'll plug that, eh? Okay. Nice to hear you again. Right. We'll, we'll, okay. we'll do that again. Very good. That's uh, Swanee right. there who uh, painted that uh, door all those years ago. Your old flatmate sounds like a Wallace. Great news. Uh, it is 19 to 5. Different topic here. The latest credit indicator report from Centrix has revealed many Kiwi households are feeling the financial squeeze. Arrears have been on the rise. Uh, rise uh, on mortgages, unsecured personal loans, credit cards and buy now, pay later accounts nationwide. 430,000 New Zealanders are behind on repayments. That's a 20,000 increase from December last year. With us is Centrix Managing Director Keith McLaughlin to give us an insight into this report. Kia ora, Keith. Good afternoon, Wallace. That's uh, quite a rise, isn't it? An increase of 20,000 people on arrears from December. Yes, it is. And it, as you indicated, it's right across the board. I mean, there's 18,400 mortgages that are passed due. And that's 20% increase on the same time last year. So, yeah, look, I think you know the crunch is coming. And I think some households are really getting squeezed. Uh, has the weather had a bearing at all on this? Not Certainly not Hawke's today because these figures go back prior to the major impact as far as that's concerned. I got you. I think what's affecting this really is the the cost of living increases, the intri- increases in the interest rates, and households, particularly those that are, are, are managing budgets very partly, are finding it harder to cope than they have done in the past. Yes. To our panel, Lavina Good. Yeah, I think we can all look into the stats about the 10th consecutive rise um, to the OCR being at its highest level since December 2018, but you just have to have to chat to your hapori or your community to know what's going on. I'm pretty familiar with parents that are going without meat, kids are going to school without uniforms that fit or even suit, 
Uh, they can't afford stationary swimming lessons have gone. There won't be hockey memberships. CGMs are unaffordable. I mean, you hear story after story after story and families are going into debt, more debt and more debt. I'm, I'm just wondering um, if we're feeling as though in terms of people in the community that aren't affected by this so much in terms of the cost of living and rising interest rates, do you think there's a general empathetic attitude towards those that are feeling it because I'm talking about working families here that are struggling to make ends meet and and the stress is building and the debt is building and it's just continuing and continuing I'm wondering if those out there that aren't feeling the pinch are feeling for those that are interesting thought Keith yeah look I said to economies out there I think there are those who are finding it very very difficult in this people who don't have mortgages who are probably getting a better return on their investments and just look at the amount of international travel that's taking part at the moment. So I think there's definitely two economies out there and some are tracking on very nicely but, but those that are squeezed are becoming more and more squeezed. Connor? Yeah well look it's you know the interest rates going up is making a massive difference to people with mortgages you know the, the, the cash required to pay your mortgage now is, is twice what it was um, oh, you know yes. 12 months ago yeah. and then on top of that, you've got uh, you know insurance costs going up, and they're not going to go down after the cyclone. They're going to keep going up. Then we've got you know councils around the place, you know, talking double-digit rises in rates. Um, you know, it's sort of ridiculous. They're not actually thinking about the working people who do need to pay those rates to stay in their houses. So, uh, yeah, it, it, I can understand people being under a hell of a lot of pressure because it's just cash coming in and cash going out, and it's just not matching up. And, and it cash... accumulates. It accumulates. Yes. That's the other thing. Yeah, um, and the, a response to that, Keith? Yeah, look, I, no, I think the trend is, is the worrying concern. I think when you look at the the trend of, of overdue accounts and the arrears going in, accounts going into arrears, I can't see a circuit break, and that's a part that worries me because it's right. not going to get better unless something happens to change it. Uh, and just on the back of Connor's uh, uh, points, that is not going to change anytime soon. We are looking, I mean, some people are going to be paying an extra what? You know, an extra 900 bucks a fortnight just on uh, just for their mortgage. Yeah, and where do you get that money from? Yep. Yeah. Keith McLaughlin, thank you very much for your time. That's uh, the Centrix Managing Director. Uh, just that latest credit indicator report from Centrix revealing that... Uh, yeah, 11.9% uh, of New Zealanders were in arrears. More feedback coming regarding the dark side of the moon 50 years ago today. Uh, it was. It came out, uh, it's the greatest album of all time, says Simon in Christchurch, apart from Miles Davis' kind of blue. Am, yeah. Yeah. Uh, big call, but uh, fair call, I think. Uh, fair call. Uh, now, to this... Cyclone Gabrielle has thrown into sharp relief, hasn't had shortcomings in how we face such events and exposes enormous challenges that face our regions. At the forefront of this is local government NZ. They're the voice and advocate of local government. Submissions on the future for local government review panel just closed. And one of the recommendations is to adopt a revenue sharing model under which local government receives an automatic share of national taxation. The final report is due in June. Sam Broughton is LGNZ Vice President and Mayor Sowan District. Kia ora, Sam. 
Good. How's it going? Good. Hey, speaking of local government, many got in touch with us just after Cyclone Gabrielle saying what a sterling job local mayors did in cyclone-affected regions, you know, showing great leadership and mana in times of crisis. What do you think? Oh, they've done an outstanding job. Uh, reassurance to the community, able to coordinate lots of agencies that aren't able to do business as usual and have to stand themselves up really quickly. Uh, there's a whole lot of planning and preparation that goes into that, but the acid testers in the moment and the mayors right across North Island who have had to deal with flooding and cyclones recently have done a sterling job. Yeah. So the nub here is, Sam, that we are one of the three most centralised countries in the OECD, you say, and you want that to change. Yeah, and I think it should change for the benefit of New Zealand. Uh, we're not the same right across our country. There's a whole lot of nuance that goes on. Our geography is different and the needs of our communities. Um, and you don't have to go from top in the north to the bottom of the south to see those differences, even just across the South Island from one side of the Alps to the other. Uh, communities have different needs. Councils need to respond in different ways. Uh, and bigger isn't always better. Putting power back in the hands of communities, Lavina. Yeah, Sam, so with 90% of the country's public expenditure being allocated by central government, I'm interested what percentage you would look at that would be appropriate. And also you talked about those benefits before in terms of benefiting different regions and local councils, et cetera. What, what specific benefits would, would we receive in terms of being at a local area or a local region? Yes, I think the review itself should be about uh, growing a better public service for New Zealand. So not just about what local government and central government does, but actually mm. how together do we work to serve New Zealand communities. Uh, and to be able to do that, some stuff needs to be done bigger. Uh, and I think there's some transport things, some infrastructure, consenting, uh, that could be done on a larger scale than where it sits now. But there's things around placemaking, how things feel, connections to health and education and housing that could be done in a local space uh, far more efficiently and effectively in understanding local nuance than what is currently just from Wellington. All right, Connor. Yeah, look, it's interesting, isn't it? It's, I mean, it's all about uh, how you make decisions to allocate resources to meet needs of of communities, and and um, you know some of those are better made at, at central government, and some are better at local government. And I think part of it's about the quality of the decision making. You know, the information that goes in. Uh, and the consideration that's given to to those decisions, and we've seen just at a at a um, small level here in here in Wellington, where you know they were going to put in a a, a pedestrian crossing on the main road out to the to the airport. Ninety six percent of people said no, and the council went and did it anyway. So, you know, there's always democracy is an imperfect system, isn't it? But at the end of the day, we just need enough resources in the right place to meet the needs of the community and yeah. there's no perfect system. And, and I so, guess too, Sam, I, I, you want to respond to Connor? Yeah, just, I think the best place for making decisions is as close to the communities that they affect mm. as we can. Uh, sometimes politics gets in the way of that and sometimes yeah. giving the decision just one step away from those whose jobs rely on the outcome of that decision next week can be a good space to sit some of the important yeah. infrastructure decisions too. It's, more, it's a lot more practical. Local. It's a lot more practical at local level, isn't it? I, I guess I'm also thinking too, Sam, because part of the um, current, current conversation of the, really over the last few years has been some massive issues that have overwhelmed local government. And for example, Havelock North back in 2016, you know, 40% of the town became ill with um, campylobacteriosis, 45 hospitalised, which 
you know, by the way, set in motion three waters, um, a single council just doesn't have the capacity or maybe even um, water knowledge to deal with an issue such as that. And it's and it's also the ability to employ and attract great staff to stay to be able to do that for a space. We've got councils that have 4,000 people needing to do exactly the same things that councils of 100,000 people need to do. And I think that's really unfair to think that they're going to be able to do that to the same standard. And across New Zealand, we expect drinking water, for example, transport and a roading system uh, to be of a particular standard. And I'm not sure that just doing that locally has provided the best outcomes for New Zealand's future. All right, very good, Sam. Kia ora. Thank you for your time. That's Sam Broughton there, uh, Mayor of Salwyn District and uh, LGNZ Vice President. Uh, a bit more of uh, what you've been thinking about, yes. Uh, Hamish says, uh, Dark Side of the Moon and other albums from the Floyd and that era have stood the test of time due to sophistication sophistication. And of songwriting and excellence of musicianship, always fresh, stimulating to the air, and enjoyable to experience. The music is magic. Lavina, I don't think it made number one in the UK, did it? And I no. think Stevie Wonder beat them out as well for the best album. Just putting it out there. Just, just put it out there for the Pinky fans. Just saying, uh, Wallace. In 1975, age 19, I was at a Swiss cottage market in London, flipping through records, and up came Bob Marley and the Whalers' live album. There was this tall, blonde, long-haired man beside me who told me I should buy it. Turned out to be Pink Floyd's guitarist Dave Gilmore. We were no not way. far. Yeah, wow. we were. We were not far from Abbey Road, and I think they were recording "Wish You Were Here." Great albums, I treasure still. That's uh, from Claire from Thankfully Sunny Ahariri. Finally, to this, a resident of Rotorua is incensed about the state of the city's lawns. So much so, she thought, well, enough is enough, and decided to spend 25, 25 hours last week mowing the overgrown lawns in and around the suburb of Glenholm. To say she is disappointed in the, the Rotorua City Council is an understatement. They say they work incredibly hard to keep, to keep up with the mowing schedule. And with us is Tracy McLeod from the Rotorua District Residents and Ratepayers. Uh, Tracy, kia ora. Good afternoon, Wallace. Good afternoon. So, OK, Rotorua, in your view, is overgrown. What's the main issue as you see it? Um, Well, I think there's three main issues that are interlinked. Um, The first issue, I think, is that the Rotorua Lakes Council aren't providing core services that the ratepayers are paying for. Last Wednesday in the council meeting, the new Mayor Tanya Tatsil said, unfortunately, things like mowing just won't be able to be done. I thought that was unbelievable of the Mayor to say that, given that the mowing hadn't been done for months already. The second issue, there's too many chiefs and not enough Indians doing the groundwork. The chief, we had a situation here in Rotorua where the chief executive is on a salary of 400000 and he's gone and appointed twi- uh, sorry, seven deputy chief executives in 2021, and they're all on an average salary of 250000 Now, at the time of the restructure, the council said that he, they would deliver more However, we feel they're delivering less. Okay, so the the lawns are not being mown. By the way, they do um, come back to you. Or they say, look, uh, it's not true. They they say the council uh, has not cut back 
on-call services such as mine. But anecdotally, before we go to our panel, you, you're out there yourself, Tracy, mowing the berms. Yeah, not just the berms. Um, there's also tourist attractions. There was the Redwood Forest. What? Um, just around, yeah. You're, 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 <laughs> hang on. You're out there Holy mowing, mowing, mowing them yourself? Uh, yeah, I, I got my trailer and I got the lawnmower, put it on back, and um, because I'd driven past it and it was getting really long, and I thought, hey, people coming to Rotorua, they're going to be really disappointed, you know, seeing it all shabbily presented. You know, I mean, that's one of our iconic tourist attractions. I, I was there a few months ago, the Redwood Forest. I absolutely love it. Lavina, what of this issue? Tracy McLeod, you're an absolute goer. I've never come across anyone that would mow the lawns outside of the Redwoods, which is just 45 minutes up the road here from Tauranga. Um, I can't speak for your suburb in Glenholm, Tracy, and Rotorua, but here in Tauranga, our, our staff work tirelessly to make our city look great. And in fact, you know, sometimes I think about the staff at Tauranga City Council and Western Bay Plenty District Council, and I think they should maybe swap places with some of those decision makers, which could also work in Rotorua, for you. Um, but as for doing it all yourself, Tracy, maybe go to some of those local colleges around you and, and get in touch with some of those kids which are part of a young enterprise scheme and see if they can devise a campaign. Because if council aren't going to do it and you want to make it look beautiful for those visitors, maybe you could get some help in doing it yourself. But yeah, I'm totally impressed and I'm a massive fan of the Redwoods. And I have noticed recently, Tracy, it's looking very trimmed and terrific. I'm not going to lie. Tracy? It was actually only mowed yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I went there this morning. <laughs> I've just right. hopped off my bike. Okay, okay so it was mowed. <laughs> up to date information here. It was mowed this morning, Connor English. Uh, yeah, look, it's a bit like your your house, isn't it? You, you get up in the morning and you make your bed and you keep your bedroom and, the, and your house tidy. If you keep it shabbily, um, then you have a shabby attitude to, to your yeah. environment. So yeah, I, I think exactly. it's a disgrace. Uh, I think the council should be out there mowing the lawns. And the, here in Wellington, they're a bit dodgy on it as well. So if you have an untidy environment, you tend to think untidily. So. Well, here's one. Julia in Hawke's Space says, Tracy's correct. She's right. I go to Glenholm all the time to see Mum, and I was thinking exactly how scruffy it was looking with the grass overgrown. We might go, we might go to the council on this uh, tomorrow. But can I just say to you, do you need to cut them some slack, Tracy? It's been a hard year. Tauranga, Whakatane. And a lot of they, rain. A lot of rain. That's exactly right. I mean, just start a group and mow the mow the berms yourself. Call them the Burmy Army or something. <laughs> it's funny. We were actually thinking of that, <laughs> calling it Mow It Forward. Have you seen that film, Pay It Forward? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> we were thinking the same thing. Um, but, yeah, no, there have been people that have jumped in and helped me, um, which is fantastic. Um, and and the positive, the response has been pretty positive. In fact, today I have actually had one of the managers from Infracore, from Council, actually phone me, and we've had a good discussion. Okay, very good. Rotorua has awesome gardens and beautiful gardens. Give them a break. Um, but uh, yes, a wide variety of responses on this, Tracy. We'll we'll keep Alison's up to date on the issues of the lawns in Rotorua. Thank you. That's Tracy McLeod there from Rotorua who says that look, the lawns are just really uh, overgrown on that. And I just want to sort of acknowledge your delight being thinking there, uh, Connor. Chris says for the panel regarding time. Life is like a roll of toilet paper. The closer you get to the end, the faster it goes.
That's a goodie. That is a goodie. <laughs> Isn't it? Isn't it? The yep. Yeah. Going out with some Pink Floyd, Connor English, Lavina Good, Kia ora to you both. It's been wonderful. I'm Wallace, Checkpoint, uh, Wallace Chapman, not Wallace Checkpoint. Checkpoint is next with Lisa Owen.